I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our week in review. Also, coin of the day. That's coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, August 27, 2021. I am so looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be a pretty nice weekend, I think. Damn, it's already 80 degrees outside. I think after making this show, I'm going to hop on the motorcycle, go for a ride around town, and find some lunch. Sushi, maybe? Hmm. Anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10.55 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $48,145, up 2.3% in 24. Ethereum, $3,232, up 3.5%. Cardano's up 10.5% at $2.86. Binance Coin, or BNB, is $490, up a percent. And Teller's in the number 5 spot. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, Dogecoin, USDC, Polkadot, and Solana. Total market cap, we're at $2.07 trillion, a BTC dominance of 43.6%, and an F dominance of 18.3%. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. I've been very happy with the feedback for Coin of the Day. Uh, everybody's been saying that they like it. Everybody wants to continue it, so here we go. Our Coin of the Day is number 2031 on Coin Market Cap. Rample. RMPL is the ticker and also the name of it. Is it called Rample? Hate the name. Anyway, price is 56.5 cents. It's up about 3.5% in 24. And its current market cap is around $333,000. Fully diluted market cap is $391,000. Now remember, fully diluted market cap means if the price is 56.5 cents and we put all the coins ever to be in existence into supply, into circulation right now, what would the market cap have to be to maintain the current price? And in this case, it's $391,000 which is only a $60,000 difference from the current market cap. However, this is where it gets interesting because there is no max supply. But and that's the thing with Rample. They're a decentralized cryptocurrency with an elastic supply model. So Rample reaches a supply price equilibrium with its randomized rebasing. As a result, the volatility is in the token supply, not in the price. The holder's ownership of the network always remains the same as wallet balances are globally altered in proportion to the changes in demand. So what they're saying is the token supply changes, not the price. Right now, like I said, if you put more tokens into the supply, into circulation, the price will go down. You'll need to add more market cap to keep the price uh, in equilibrium. And here what they're saying is they're going to adjust the token supply to make sure that the price remains constant. Their goal is a $1 uh, equilibrium, so $1 stablecoin, apparently. Uh, looking at their website and then looking at CoinMarketCap, they originally put on uh, you know, September of 2020 uh, that their after rebase total supply was about 7.2 million Rample in existence. And as of today, they have about 588,000 Rample. So it looks as though to create a consistent price with uh, its token, 
they have had to reduce the supply drastically, meaning a lot of people aren't using this. I don't know what the future is, or and I and I have never you know heard of this coin before now. But if it is acting the way that I think it's acting, and they are reducing the supply to create a constant price, it means that a lot of people aren't using this, and a lot of people are moving away from this kind of idea, um, and they're having to reduce the price to make sure that the price token stays consistent. Now the price at launch was one dollar on August fourth, twenty twenty. So. We are now half price. We are now, what is it? I don't even know. It's like 10% of or less of, of its total supply out there. And it seems as though it's a dead token. You can get Rample on Uniswap still, uh, but I'm looking at Etherscan right now, and it looks as though there's not many transactions. You know, uh, 500 tokens here, uh, 800 tokens there. Uh, three days ago, there was a couple transactions. Seven days ago, there was two transactions. 14 days ago, there was one transaction of 58 tokens. 16 days ago, there was 128 tokens. It looks as though they're just people are trying to get rid of it for uh, because there's no liquidity out there. It looks as though it's a dead token and nobody's really using it. And well, that's Rample. And you know, you can also look at uh, go down the rabbit hole to see if this is actually a good idea. But it looks as though this is just a dead token. And if it's not, and you're part of the community, let me know. But it doesn't look like there's many transactions or future. And now let's get into our weekend review. Jeff Benson, Senior Editor at Decrypt, the holy grail of interviews. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, Matthew. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Man, the crypto space is yet to disappoint another week, another week. And look, you know, the first thing that's on my mind in this week in review is Poly Network. Poly Network had the biggest hack ever in crypto history. Honestly, it was like a gut punch to me but they're making everything okay. Can you just walk me through and walk the listeners through about like just briefly that history of what happened to where we are now today? Well, first of all, if you look at Poly Network, it's the biggest hack if you're looking at dollar figures, right? Cryptocurrency markets are worth a lot more now than they were, you know, last year or even five years ago. So essentially what happened is that Poly Network is this kind of cross-chain compatibility. So you want to do, you want to get funds from one network uh, into the other. It's loosely, some people consider it DeFi, but it's pretty centralized in how they do that. And essentially um, the way it works is that instead of dealing with intermediaries, you have smart contracts. And those smart contracts are just automated pieces of code that, uh, that just automate transactions, right? And someone was able to take this smart contract and convince the network that it had the right to take these funds. And so they did, and they took 600 something million of them. And then Poly Network begged. I mean, they said, pretty please with a cherry on top, let, let us have these funds back, Mr. Mr. Hacker, sir. And the hacker acquiesced. Probably not out of the goodness of their heart, although although that's what they said, that the plan was always to return those funds, but more because they didn't really have anywhere to launder the money because their access points, their ways to, to transact out of, of what they had were pretty limited. So they started returning all of those funds and the last bit has, has finally been returned, not really from the poly network hacker themselves, but from Tether, which is frozen something like $33 million worth in funds. Tether has finally uh, effected that transfer. Poly Network today or, or yesterday uh, said, hey, we're all good now. And it's going to make sure that anybody affected on the network is whole. Now, would you call this hacker a shadowy super coder? 
a shadowy super code. I mean, certainly, it's, I don't know how super they are because I'm not a smart contract auditor, but uh, shadowy, I guess, because they're anonymous. Yeah. I, I like what you said there early, uh, earlier is you said that, and this is a distinction to make, it's the biggest hack in dollar amount, but maybe not the biggest hack in cryptocurrency amount. Is that is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually run run the figures, but I think um, if you look at the, the DAO hack of Ethereum, uh, which happened towards, towards the beginning of its lifespan, that was $150 million worth of ETH. Now, if that ETH were still around today, I think it would be worth in the billions. Yowzers. Uh, you know, I was talking about this on my podcast when it comes to like Poly Network. Do you think, well, well first of all, I don't, I don't know if anybody would have confidence after a $600 million hack. And even though you can beg and say pretty please and, and say that we fixed everything, um, do you think that uh, Poly Network has a future? I mean, look, the crypto the crypto industry has this, I, I don't know, this hopium built into us. So we all, we kind of tend to see this and we kind of rolls off our backs and six months down the line, everybody's hyping and saying, you know, poly network to the moon and, you know, you put your money into there, but uh, this is a, this is a big blemish on them. Do you, do you think that they have a future? Yeah, <laughs> I think, you do. I, so I think, I think people in the crypto space can have real short, short memories. Um, and, true. Uh, true. Also, Poly Network isn't something that I was terribly familiar with before, or most people were familiar with before before this hack. So, I think that they they can probably do just fine, provided that they make make some changes. But that's not to say that it won't affect them. If you look at something like like BZX, BZX uh, was hit by a number of attacks. Uh, I think February of twenty. 20 right before uh, right before covid and those were those were big setbacks for for that bzx is a is a, is a derivatives marketplace essentially or a protocol for derivatives um so it's pure defi and it's kind of struggled to to get get footing but it it has it's it's kind of gradually grown in the last year and a half so yeah i think uh i think poly network can continue to to do what it does and i think people will We'll forget pretty quickly. You're all right. We're like we're like Dory and Finding Nemo in this space. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. like six hundred million dollars. When was this? I don't know. It was yesterday. Oh, okay. To the moon. To the moon. Um, you know that that's that's also very interesting because hacks that happen and we see them every day. If it's uh, DeFi hacks, if it's personal customers of, of, of either phishing attacks or ransomware or whatever, uh, you know, or even what happened with Thorchain. Thorchain was one that was on my um, radar because they had it not once, but two hacks. I think it was $5 million and $8 million uh, was hacked from them, from their protocol. Right. But they had money back backing them up. They had a way to say, okay, hey, these mistakes are going to happen. We understand yeah. that we are dealing with, you know, new technology, emerging technology. We are cutting bleeding edge of, of tech here. And so we have some money backed up to say, if things happen, we're going to make you whole. Do you think that this should be standard practice across the industry? I mean, I think it's good practice. With ThorChain, I think what they had was something called ChaosNet. So it, 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 like you said, it was telegraphed to users like, hey, guys, this is experimental. We expect things to break to go wrong. And so we have set aside money for that to happen. I think, it, I think it's a good practice. Um, I think what, what Poly Network has done is it's leaned heavily on centralized exchanges, leaned heavily on you know teller and 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 other places to it's leaned on miners to go ahead and freeze these funds so how decentralized is that i think a much better practice would have been to recognize 
hey, these smart contracts, things, things, go, things can go wrong and have some redundancies built in and have some money set aside for that. That may make things a little bit more expensive. It may, it may cut, into the, uh, uh, cut into your yield, but I think it's good practice. You know, I got an email from a listener and they said, you know, the, the, the thing that's going to come out of all these hacks eventually is the insurance market. There, there is no insurance market really established for the crypto industry. But we're talking about when things go tits up, if you will, uh, they go tits up. I mean, in big in bigly, like six hundred million dollars is not an insurance claim that you just willy nilly say, hey, by the way, what's my deductible? That's a uh, that's massive. Do you think that the insurance market is a underdeveloped market in the crypto space? And do you think that uh, an insurance market for these institutions or these big platforms is actually a solution because of the massive either fraud or claims that could be had? Are, you, are we talking about decentralized insurance markets, things that you can find on blockchain protocols? I, think- I, don't, I don't know, man. I, don't, I, I actually I don't know what the structure would look like. Would it be a decentralized insurance market? Would it be a centralized? Would Allstate get into it? I don't know. You're in good hands with Allstate, apparently. Yeah, I you know I I would need to read up a little bit on on insurance markets and how they work. I can definitely see uh, more uh, in the way of insurance popping up in terms of DeFi protocols, and I think you see this with a couple of protocols, and I I won't get in won't get into the names, but they will have sort of riskier riskier uh, sort of assets at different rates than than less than less risky assets, of course. That's different from hey something's wrong with the smart contract. So uh, I'm uh, yeah I'm really not sure what the future is for insurance whether or not Allstate and State Farm want to want to want to dive into that because um, you know as we've seen there there's hacks of plenty all the time on DeFi. That's interesting. I never thought about decentralized insurance protocols. Um, and you could like you use your yield I guess uh, to create a. Safu fund uh, to ensure different protocols and they maybe have some kind of payout or buy-in um, to, to it. I mean, that's an interesting concept. I, I never heard about that. I'm going to read up on that. Well, and it's, it's a way for, it's a way for people to kind of hedge their, hedge their own risks, you know? And so they, they've got money in multiple. One thing that they do is they put money across multiple protocols, but you know, there are protocols that are coming out now that are, that specifically take care of, take care of insurance, but I don't know how popular they are. But they should be popular, probably. You know, one of the biggest insurances or assurances that we we have is, you know, just proper regulations in the space. And, you know, one of these bills that are going through the house right now, obviously, we know the infrastructure bill and it took a big, uh, it has some big news this week that came out. We know that the infrastructure bill had the amendment in there for the brokerage uh, definition uh, for to tax Bitcoin and take $20 billion in taxes to fund the infrastructure bill from the crypto space through this brokerage amendment. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz made a rousing speech about let's not regulate anything that we don't know about. Uh, which was actually the only one time I have ever agreed with Ted Cruz about anything, which was surprising to me. And honestly, I had to go wash my my eyes out and mouth out, my ears out with soap uh, after that. Uh, but then it hit a snag in the house too, if I'm correct. Did, did, what happened this week in the house when it, in terms of the brokerage amendment to the infrastructure bill? So essentially the house said it's not going to uh, hear any amendments to the bill. So there had been, there had been some thoughts that, that the house might go go forward and make some changes to the bill, but it, all that would do is send it back to the back to the Senate, and we'd have this whole thing all over again. And so the House came to an agreement that uh, they're going to deal with the Senate package uh, as it stands, 
uh, by September 27th. So, and that means that it will likely get passed because infrastructure is a key priority for the Biden administration. Uh, he helped push it through the Senate. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, and the Democrats are in control of the, of the House. Um, so it's likely to pass. It's to become law. The thing that's important is that now the Biden administration has said the Treasury Department has reportedly leaked that they're not very interested in applying applying those standards as written, even though it, the stat, the law could be interpreted to read that Bitcoin miners, uh, validators on proof of state networks, uh, wallet devs, um, DeFi devs could be beholden to these tax reporting requirements. The Treasury Department has kind of indicated it's not interested in doing though that doing so. That's not practical. It's mainly interested in the in the exchanges. So it's um, kind of like a rolling stop. Then you know, like you go to a stop stop sign, you do a rolling stop, and then you go through it. Cops usually won't stop you for it, but they could. Is is that what you're saying? Right, and and that's the concern for some in the cryptocurrency industry that well, yeah, you're not necessarily going to apply it this way, but the fact that you could is problematic. In three years, we may very well have a new president, and are they going to take the same line that, that this one is taking? Very good point. That's a very good point. So just to summarize and to clarify, they're going to vote on the 2,701-page bill that I obviously everybody read cover to cover um, as Riveting. is. Yes. So there's that. that is absolutely crazy by the way <laughs> but okay um can we just can you just do us a favor really quick and just outline one more time what does this amendment mean when it comes to defining things as a brokerage and what is that kind of slippery slope i guess essentially to pay for part of the infrastructure bill which was a trillion dollars they said to get 28 billion dollars we're going to make sure that people that owe cryptocurrency taxes pay them and to do that we will change the definition of broker in the IRS code uh, apply to all manner of people dealing in digital assets. But it was very broadly broadly written so that people thought that it could apply not just to exchanges and, and custodians of crypto, but to non-custodians as well. What the people indicated in this, in, in this revised IRS code must do is essentially file 1099s. 1099 forms that have people's name and address on it. Well, if you're a miner, if you're a Bitcoin miner and you're processing transactions, you don't know who you're processing transactions for. So how are you going to fill out a 1099? <laughs> so, so that was the main problem. Hey, this is not practical. And people argued that beyond being um, impractical, it signaled maybe that the U.S. was looking to just kind of outright ban cryptocurrencies altogether. So then is there an option for this amendment then? An option for this for uh, for, for, for this amendment to be to be stricken, to be changed, to be amended, the amendment to be amended. <laughs> you know, not 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 that I see. And I, and I won't pretend to be a um particularly knowledgeable about legislative procedures because as I said they are pretty arcane. Um but I'm sure I'm if they wanted to go back and, and, and make a new agreement that revises their current one, they could do that. I don't foresee that happening. Well, so let's see here. We have good news, bad news, and I want to go to Budweiser and, okay. and, and, and dick pics. Okay. And, 
NFTs. Okay, so the NFT space is hot. Um, this is the last thing I want to cover this week because it's the thing that's on my mind. We're talking about Solana. We're talking about degenerate apes. We're talking about crypto punks flipping for 2x, 3x of the 100,000s that they bought it for us on it for 300,000 now. Uh, Gary V is all up in NFTs. He is so, so bullish on NFTs, so much so that you see Visa buying crypto punks. You see Budweiser buying dick pics. Um, and literally, dick pics yeah. <laughs> everybody oh, well, not buying them not buying them um they were receiving them. oh oh i apologize so is that unsolicited dick pics uh yes so you know budweiser just <laughs> and i'm sure this is something that every woman in her 20s and 30s can relate to uh receiving unsolicited dick pics only this time they're from crypto bros to budweiser so budweiser got into the nft game which means it has a wallet and people figured out what its wallet address is and said, well, here you go. Um, so uh, and, and because it's uh, because it's cryptocurrency, it's not just a matter of pressing delete, but instead they have to either burn them or transfer them out to another wallet, both of which costs uh, cost money in transaction fees. And you know what those Ethereum transaction fees can be like. We're coming like Budweiser. It's not that much, but uh, put it on, <laughs> I'm on sure your. They I'm sure I'm sure they can spare it, but, but put it on your balance balance sheet. Uh, twenty nine ninety five for burning your dick pic NFT is. is right. You have to. That's really interesting to bring up at a shareholders meeting. Uh, so what else is going on in the crypto space? Like I, I mentioned, like there's a lot of NFTs going on. There's a lot of hype around NFTs. Uh, just walk us through about what is what's fueling this, and is it sustainable? Or I don't. I mean, that's speculative, obviously. What's going on though? I mean, that's the million dollar question, or I mean, if it's a, a, a you know, board ape or whatever, whatever NFT is the latest thing, you know, $3.4 million question, I guess. But it's, um, I don't know. Nobody knows. And, and Gary V certainly ha- has a incentive to say, though, that it's that it's on the up because I'm he's heavily invested in these markets. Um, I think that my sense is that NFTs are probably here to stay. It seems it seems like a like they kind of had their big boom. They had a little bit of a dip, and they're back rising again with the rest of the crypto markets. Um, this last week, I think OpenSea. Um, I think I saw that they they reported going from you know two billion dollars in volume to three billion dollars in the course of nine days, which is insane. So they were setting they set. Uh, a new daily record three times in a row, maybe four um, over the course of the week. OpenSea being one of the biggest NFT marketplaces out there. You also have Topshot, which is kind of one of the, uh, I guess the OGs of the NFT crypto collectibles. They're branching out and doing more stuff with the WNBA. Um, So not just the NBA, but the WNBA as well. Now their, their sales have kind of dropped off a little bit, but they've picked up over the last month as well. Um, so yeah, who knows where NFTs are going? The only NFTs I own are some crypto kitties that I made with my daughter uh, <laughs> last year. Um, but I, I should really look, I should look and see how much those are worth now. 
Well, we're going to follow up with that. I hope you at least put one up for auction, maybe for 100F. And if you do get that for your crypto kitty, then uh, you're going to have to come back on the show and tell us about this. But last question I have for you, and uh, I'm going to have my statement in, in, in question, because I am also skeptical about, about these NFTs. I think NFTs are here to stay, but I think that this is still a discovery of what NFTs are for. It's either price discovery, it's a use case discovery, it's a uh, I guess a value prop discovery as well. Um, when you were see- seeing earlier in this year, artists like Beeple or Fuicious selling their art. I mean, and these are proper artists, you know, um, you know, making art. And I thought that was wonderful. It's an avenue to uh, amplify their work, to uh, put their work on an exchange, to try to create value for something that they are very, very talented at. Um, when, but when I see like certain NFTs, when it comes to, uh, say, bored apes or degenerate apes or these just, you know, whatever I don't know, animal you're going to put with stupid faces on or smoking a joint or whatever um, and then sell it for I don't see any actual, I guess. And this is just me. And obviously this is, um, you know, just my subjective, obviously. But I don't see really any value in that uh, opposed to just the trading value. And I'm just wondering, like, what's your opinion on it? Because when I saw people and Fuicious make their art, but I, when I see these people, uh, you know, doing their art, I, like I said, I say that's lots of value right there. That is amazing. Great to get this platform. And I see, uh, but when I see like these, I just see either Beanie Babies or, you know, some kind of sure. other interesting, like what's your, what's your take on it personally? I mean, to me, the whole NFT space and its, its evolution maps really well onto long-standing conversations about art and what is art. So if you look at some guy like Damien Hurst, right, who sells, um, you know, he's got like a shark in formaldehyde. He's got like just a bunch of dots on a canvas selling for millions of dollars. A lot uh, People will say, well, that's, that's not art, but, um, you know, art is so hard to define and it's very subjective that I think a lot of people are out there saying, you know, what Bored Apes and, and, and these other groups are doing is art, that, that, it, that it absolutely qualifies. And it's, it's changing our perceptions of, of what it means to, to create. Senior editor of Decrypt, Jeff Benson. Thanks for coming on and doing a speaking review, uh, having philosophical conversations about art with me. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to get you back on to talk about the future of the amazing crypto space, whatever news comes out in the week. And make sure you come back on and tell us about your crypto kitty. All right. Love to. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. And I will be back this weekend for weekend updates. Until then, happy hodling, everyone.